What would you do if we poked you in the axiom? The purpose, to ask questions and engage in dialogue about subjects that we call axioms. An axiom. A statement or proposition which is regarded as being established, accepted, or self-evidently true. These are the underpinnings of our thought, our belief, and the ways that we live out our lives. A question. An examination to determine the validity and or meaning. Dialogue. The process of determination. The process of our examination. Welcome, listeners, to What Would You Do If We Poked You in the Axiom, a podcast podcast that seeks uh, seeks to be uh, seeks to ask questions seeks to dialogue about axioms my name is Malcolm Fowler I am the uh, esteemed host uh, and other other hats that I that I wear around town uh, to my right is Mike Dion hello and to my left is Thomas Barton uh, my uh, my partners and uh, and my peers in this endeavor uh, that we are that we are that we are going about. This is uh, this is an interesting moment that we find ourselves as we find ourselves coming together to do this. Um, we got very excited as we got together to think about what a podcast could could be uh, about different topics and about how it is that we could go about it. Uh, there's uh, many many podcasts out there. Uh, you have many many options, listener to. Uh, to uh, to f- to fill your time and fill your headphones with, and so uh, if we if you find yourself here, we're grateful and we're thankful that you uh, that you're here with us. And uh, so I want to tell you, uh, we want to tell you a little bit about what it is that we're endeavoring to do here, what it is that we're hoping to do. Uh, what would you do if we poked you in the axiom? So that's sort of a uh, that's sort of a, a thought provoking title. It's a mouthful at the least. It's not something that. Although maybe it'll be on a T-shirt eventually, I suppose. But what would you do if we poked you in the axiom? Um, so anybody want to anybody want to pick up and sort of and take a stab at like what that means? <laughs> Go for it, Thomas. All right, thank you. <clears throat> uh, to me, I think it means looking at the underlying assumptions of belief in the modern world. Uh, what is it that we take as fundamentally true? Um, we might even be unconscious of the fact that we accept it as true or as uh, one of the underlying prepositions of our lives. Um, and so to kind of look at our behaviors, to look at the behavior and beliefs in the world around us, uh, why are people acting the way they do? What are the beliefs that's leading them to act the way they do? And are those beliefs true? Are they valid? Um, is there something there? Or... You know, are we are we acting based on illusion? I think if we can, you know, start picking apart certain things that we believe that other people believe, um, in the uh, pursuit of truth, then you know it could at least help me grow. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that is inherent about what it is that we're hoping to do here with this is that. Um, that we get to examine ourselves in this as well. There's sort of a, uh, a con- consistent and constant self-examination uh, that is necessary when it comes to something that's axiomatic. I mean, especially as we're taking as we're taking an axiom to be to be this thing, uh, this this proposition, this statement that's regarded as being established and accepted um, as self-evident as true. Um, I don't know. It's it so. 
when the idea first came to me, it seemed like it seemed like there were a number of things that were axiomatic that people just seemed unwilling, unable uh, to to have dialogue over, and to even realize. Like you you said, um, you said that oftentimes these things are uh, are um, unconscious. Even, unconscious, yeah. That we don't even we don't even necessarily realize that they're things that we that we hold to be true about our beliefs about our beliefs. Um, so, so there is a, there is a, a growth portion of this. And so, uh, you know, as we, as we discuss these things, we may find that we change about them. Yeah. I mean, I think, so we've obviously, uh, this is kind of a, a revisitation of episode one. Uh, we've been sitting together in the studio. We've got hours and hours at this point in the studio, <laughs> uh, having these conversations and the value for me has definitely been that, uh, you know, well, it's fun to have the conversations and, and everything. We're all, we're all aligned in some ways, but also very different in other ways. And that's been valuable for me to, to go home. And, uh, you know, I've got about a 30 minute drive from here to get home. And just even that drive after we have our, our sessions is, is very thought-provoking and and working through some of the things that maybe I had never thought about before or thought I disagreed with uh, during our session that then maybe I was like, you know, maybe I I agree with that or vice versa. Like there are things that have been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I get in the car and I'm driving home and like, huh, you know, what about this and this and this? So it's, it's been great for me. uh, And I, my hope is that for anybody who's willing to sit down and listen and, um, and, and take that axiom outside of yourself uh in so in the the business world we call it assumptions uh and it's not necessarily axiom like it's not axiomatic necessarily but there's a lot of assumptions that you have when you're trying to operate your business and there's a whole discipline of being able to take those assumptions and hold them out at arm's length and say well well why do i actually think this and to be able to present that to the rest of the people that you're working with that you're all trying to accomplish the same thing but you're all in different places and to be able to say, well, here's an assumption that I hold that may or may not be valid. Let's explore that for the sake of all together moving further on the mission of our company where this is like taking that to, you know, the deeper level of, okay, as a person, I've got these assumptions and we as a community have these assumptions or these axioms that maybe we need to take out and put on the table and examine together so that we can, as a community of humans – uh, people, uh, as as a community, we can move forward on our our mission of being communities that aren't falling apart. Um, you know, being communities of people who love and support each other. You're absolutely right, Mike. Through this podcast, we will save America. That's right. <laughs> Make America look axiomatic. Again. No, I don't know. Oh, that's not no. too bad. We could go with that. <laughs> Make America axiomatic again. That's, I could go. I could get behind that on some level. I don't know. I feel like the Visigoths are already on their way. <laughs> well, so, so, but this is this is a, a, it is a good it is a very good point that there is something about the um, uh, the, the 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 living of these things out right that that like the the examination of these things that like they affect our lives right. Um, and I, and I wonder sometimes if that's something that like, that people tend to separate is that they tend to separate that thing that they hold as a belief with their actions. And, yes. and, and so the question sort of becomes like, well, which one feeds the other, right? Like, do, do my actions feed my belief or do my belief feed my actions? Are they completely separate? Is it, does it have to be one or the other of those things? And, and so, um, and I think that, that, 
I think that you bring up a very good point, which is that because we we do live in a in a, in a time when like everything is under question, everything is under question. Um, that that by nature has a tendency to tear us apart, right? Um, and so that it's it's like you just said in the business world, in your in the in the, the circles that you move in, um, that that being able to establish like your core principles, right, tends to be the thing that allows you to then work together, right? Yeah. And so for for us here, you know, we come from very different walks of life. We're we're in different phases of our lives, um, and yet you know we have some core things that we share, right? We also recognize that because of those differences, that hopefully makes us well suited to what it is that we want to do here. Um, so for our listeners out there, you know, I hope that they would disagree with us at some point. Yeah. I hope that because because what we're trying to do here is to have a dialogue, to ask these questions and go through that process of asking the questions about these things. Um, and that is fundamentally, you know, what... I think much of life is, I think that, you know, to work these things out, you have to dialogue. And when I look at, when I look at different positions that people take in our culture around us, there's so little dialogue. It just seems like it's, it, 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 it ends up in just a, a yelling and a, I'm going to make this propositional statement and I'm not going to allow for that to be questioned. And I don't know if that comes from a, such a strong position of belief in that propositional statement, or if it comes from a real place of fear and fragility about that statement, like what if this thing isn't true? I think it, I think it mostly has to do with fear that what we hold to be true may not necessarily be true, and so we can't uh, entertain a counter argument uh, because of the fragility of our own beliefs. I think if you actually believe something um, with humility and real conviction, then you don't have to be worried about a contrary opinion. You don't have to be, you know, this is something that's been integrated into your life, you know, and I, I don't know, I think with myself, the, the, when I get the most angry about someone poking my axioms is when I feel like I don't have a good enough reason for those axioms or if I feel like I can't defend them or I've maybe identified with those axioms or beliefs in an unhealthy way. So now the mere thought of them being questioned is a question to my own personal identity. Yeah. And I think like we get all wrapped up. We don't we don't have any healthy forms of like uh personal growth. Not that, I mean, we have a whole industry, right? That's, that's <laughs> dedicated to it, but we're not really like healthy. We're not, we're still kind of, you know, how we were when we were children and I'm including myself here. <laughs> and, and we, 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 we haven't really reached any type of maturity. I think we are living in a society of eternal adolescence. Well, and I mean, if like, let's just take social media as an example, right? Like in some ways you put yourself out there, you put your personality, you put your, your life, you put, you know, pictures, statements, you put yourself out there. Um, and when that gets challenged, you can ignore them, you can block them, you can unfriend them, you can, you know, do all these different things to just say, well, I don't, I don't need that in my life. You can life. just troll them. I don't need that toxicity. <laughs> right. I don't need that toxicity yeah. in my life. So you just, so you just push it out. And, um, and that's not because... I, I do agree that I think that there is a 
there is a, a place of fear. There is a, a place of fragility that sometimes, uh, that sometimes leads us to do those things. Um, I think, I think the other thing can be true though. I think that the other, the other part of that can be that, that somebody actually feels so strongly about that, that they just, they just feel like, and, and maybe that's their own sense of like, this is, this is an axiom that is so important to me that it is true. Right. And I, and I think that that is, that is something that, that we do. No, I agree. You're right. There are people. It's both. It's both. It's a both end situation. I think, well, is the thing that you're that convicted about, does it also teach humility? Well, that's you know a very good question. Because we have axioms that don't. We have beliefs that don't teach, you know, we don't teach, that don't have, you know, love as part of the principle. They don't have compassion or forgiveness or mercy as part of those principles. Many times we're more interested in being right. Right. Yeah. Well, and that leads to the inverse situation where not only are we insistent about what we're saying in our axiom, but we're unwilling to listen and understand what the opposing view even really is or what may not even be an opposing view. You know, pick your thing, anything. <laughs> well, and that's one of the reasons like for ourselves as we think about this, like one of the things that we thought of uh, and this is sort of to you, the listener. One of the things that we knew we would have to do as as the the host of this, as the um, providing the the content, if you will, for the podcast, that we were going to have to be uh, honest with ourselves and ask and be bold and courageous in in questioning our own axioms and, and questioning the validity of the things that we hold true, um, and not in a way to to say, "Huh, I guess there is no truth there," but in a, in a way to say, "Okay, if that." in a way to say, like, if that follows, right, like, if this thing is not exactly how I thought it was, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for the rest of my life? Which is why we ask the question, what would you do if I poked you in the axiom? Because ultimately, and I know, I know, <laughs> I, ultimately, I think that these, these things bear themselves out in our lives. I don't think, I think it's inescapable that that which you hold to be true, you live out. I agree. You know someone's beliefs by their actions. Yeah. So like, you A know. tree by its fruit. Right, a tree by its fruit. And if your actions don't match up to what you say you believe, then I would question your belief first. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think the deeper thing, and you said it, you know, a little about coming to truth or seeing what truth is there. I don't necessarily think that you can have the conversations that we're looking to have without believing that there is truth out there because dialogue, right? The whole point of dialogue, you know, logic between two, right? Spoken logic is that you're trying to get to the truth through the dialectical process. And if you don't think that there is any truth, then it's whoever screams the loudest wins. <laughs> well, not just that it's, uh, I think in that case, well, in the cases where where it's just it's my side or your side, I don't think truth is the issue. I think no, power, power is the issue there. Yeah. 
So, uh, so let's, I want to, let's take that as our jumping off point here, because we've talked a little bit about what it is we want to do for a number of minutes here, but, um, but we haven't actually introduced an axiom other than to potentially introduce the idea of an axiom itself. Um, are axioms actually axiomatic? Are it, oh <laughs> I have this assumption <laughs> that axioms are. Is, the, is there, is there anything that can actually be known if, if everything is on, we affirm that there is that there are things that can be known. We affirm that there is a thing called truth, because otherwise, this wouldn't be anything. Yeah. We, I think, wouldn't be anything. We affirm like, like reality. <laughs> <laughs> we exist. We there, we affirm existence. We, I mean, we do affirm. We, I mean, and we, you know, we're we're we want to be upfront about our own our own uh, preconceived things, our own presuppositions, right? Um, but uh, but we'll get further and further into those. So, truth is is the is the thing that the, one of the words that keeps that keeps coming up as we as we keep talking. What about is this. truth? What is truth? What is truth? And so for today, that is our that is our axiom. What is truth? What what the the axiom of truth? And we've already sort of begun the discussion of to say, okay, so if there is such a thing as an axiom, right? Then the definition that I had read that there's this proposition or this statement or this thing which is inherently true and sometimes that's self-evidently true uh, but that 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 truth uh, becomes a an underpinning it becomes a foundation it becomes uh, uh, foundational to to our lives right so we're we do affirm that that thing I suppose in the sense that, we, that we're sort of presupposing an axiom the question then becomes what does that truth look like what is that truth? How can it be known? And there are further questions. <laughs> so, so when you're saying there's there is truth, we're saying that's the axiom that there that there is truth. It can be known, and the. I mean, I guess there's not a well. There's there's probably some more definition that we are diving into. Or. And are we looking at, so like, are we looking at, I think also, and correct me if I'm wrong here for the two of you, but I think when we're talking about truth, we're talking about more than things that are true. Like we're talking more like than just facts, like the world is, is around. That's a true statement. Ish. Ish. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know. It's more like like oblong a little bit. Yeah. Uh, actually, <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, it's a cube actually, and it's hollow. Um, it's on the back of a turtle. It is on the back of a turtle. It's turtles all the way down. Um, but so, I, but I think we're talking about more than that. Like, I had a breakfast sandwich this morning. That is a true statement because I actually had a breakfast sandwich. You're saying that there's there's metaphysical there's philosophical metaf- truth. Yes, that we can come to that we can maybe even find a little security in. Yes. Yes. You you bring up the idea that there's like layers of truth. Would you say that? Yeah. Like there's statements that you could say, like that's a fact, that's a thing that happened. Right? Truth like ogres are like onions. <laughs> <laughs> They're smelly, yeah? yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, they no. make you cry. You cry through every layer you peel back. Just yeah, crying. That is very true. That is very true. Um. 
Yeah, there, there, there are things that happen that we can that we can say that they are true, right? Um, like you just said, you know, you had a breakfast sandwich. Sure, actually, so did I. Um, that's true. Um, it's not. It's not so much that. It's the um, maybe. It's just the. It, it's just the very idea that there is that there is truth, right? That there is something knowable. That there is something. That there is something that is worth making the underpinning of our lives, that there is something that is worth making the foundation of who we are. Like that? <laughs> Radio silence. I know. I was, uh, I was looking at the, at, the, at the bar and I was going, oh man. We can, we can trim those. No, I know. I know. Um, I, I think that, that uh, I think that that's a valid point. And I think that there's a, there's a piece of that that requires humility enough to be able to say that I'm not necessarily going to get it all right. Um, that maybe I'm not the only arbiter of truth. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what I believe to be true today, I may find that I have gotten some things wrong. That doesn't mean that there's not truth. That doesn't mean that, especially on like a metaphysical level, it doesn't mean that there's just give it up and stick to I ate a breakfast sandwich today and uh, is it good to treat other people well? Who cares? Like it doesn't mean go that route, but um, rather to continue that search, constantly be holding that, that axiom out and saying, okay, w- which pieces of this are just my own things that I've added and which are the things that are constantly true outside of just my own baggage that I bring to the table. You know, I like, <clears throat> I think you brought up an important pro- point early because that sense of wrongness, right? Thinking you're true or thinking what, you know, thinking that your beliefs are true or that you've maybe come to some type of like small glimpse, glimpse of ultimate truth. And then you're proven wrong, right? And it's like, well, now my worldview is just scattered all over the place. And that's kind of the postmodern claim, right? Like, because that is so often the case. Right. Because we are, we are much more likely to be completely wrong than completely right. And we have all these competing claims, right? It's Not, overwhelming. It's overwhelming. So it's like, how do you, how do you wade through this? Like, how is there, is there anything that unifies it, right? And I would say that maybe like a definition of truth would be that which like unifies all knowledge, maybe, right? Is that the, the theory absolute, of everything, the theory of everything, right? Maybe that's too grand. I don't know, but it's like, it's truth. The way we're talking about is an absolute. Yeah. And right now, like we, we only see fragmented pieces, the way that we're able to perceive the world. So we see very, dimly as in a mirror or something like right, that. In a glass darkly. <laughs> we see in a glass darkly. That's what it is. So, I mean, it's very easy to look at all this fragmentation and say, well, this is all there is just competing claims. Right. You know, which, you know, and their only, their only validity is based off of, you know, how beneficial they can be or, you know, if they're, if how they do someone, it. how much, yeah, how much money's <laughs> behind it. Like, it's, um, I think one of the things that, um, that you, at least when you were talking, Mike, one of the things that I was thinking of was like, okay, like if you hold this thing to be true, right? And then it gets disproven. That was one of the things that you talked about, right? If you hold this thing to be true and then it gets disproven, oftentimes that 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 breaks somebody, right? Like that leads to 
madness that leads to an existential crisis it leads to a crisis it leads to a mental breakdown it leads to you know like like the world has been shattered and i think that was you you sort of alluded to that too thomas um that um and so it but the reason I, i sort of bring that up is that i think that that really illustrates like if there isn't truth what what is left if there if there if there isn't yeah. if this if there is no truth then then what is what is life what is what is anything just a series of existential crises crises nothingness pleasure seeking well, but the, but even that i mean <laughs> well you could what be, is true pleasure <laughs> <laughs> let's talk after the <laughs> uh, okay all right careful boys careful um no 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 but what I, what i mean is is like um if if you if you if if you take that away right if you take if you take the underpinning of something away if you take that foundational thing away from somebody right like it is destructive mm. it is destructive to find out that uh this thing that 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 you held to be true this thing that you held to be central um is no longer true or maybe and maybe wasn't because it, because you begin to question the value of things, right? You begin begin to question the meaning of things, and I think I think we've sort of alluded to the, to the idea that like if we see a breaking down of our society, if we see a breaking down of our culture, whatever that can mean, I mean, because if you see a breaking down of that, if you see a, a you know a breaking down of lives, and we see wanton taking of lives, whether it be somebody else's life or your own life, we see a wasting of life, right? Like like why do we see that? Is there meaning there? Is or is there a lack of meaning there? Is that the thing that like allows for that? Mm. So I want to touch on that <clears throat> that shattering, right? When you find out that what you believed was not true. What is it that makes you realize that you had a false belief? Uh are you alluding to truth? <laughs> <laughs> like is that not in and of itself an encounter? With truth, like can it's usually truth, some sort of revelation, right? So can truth be uh, can truth be apophatic? Uh, you're gonna have to define the word for so us. apophatic. <laughs> apophatic is a theological term that is uh, you know you come to truth mainly of God by negation. Apophatic means unspoken, what cannot be said. So is there this like if you? Like you might not have had a positive experience of something replacing your previous worldview, right? Mm, yeah. But in the shattering of your worldview, like you've come face to face with at least part of something that's true. At least a negative truth. At least a and negative. That this truth. is not true. Right. I truly cannot fly, no matter how fast I flap my little arms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a terrible example, but. But I mean, like you know, if if it's if, if it's enough to come at you and be world-destroying or illusion-destroying. What else could that be except truth breaking into your life? Well, so a a personal experience kind of example, right? As a kid, my parents got divorced, and that broke my understanding of... uh, So we're we're a Christian family, Um, you know, and so in, in my worldview, number one... God's going to bless our family. Um, my parents will never get divorced because the Bible says not to and because God is going to bless our family. And so I'll always have the, this 
uh, standard nuclear family setup. And when they got divorced, that broke my understanding of love. That broke my understanding of who God was in that moment. And, you know, why is this happening? What is going on? There was no replacement. I mean, not immediately, obviously. Like, I think I've got myself straightened out since then. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys can weigh in on that later. But, uh, you know, like in the in that time, it was just like a year of just like, darkness. I have no idea what the world is about anymore. I don't understand the things that I thought to be true and the expectations that I had have just been proven wrong. And I I have nowhere to go from there other than obviously what I thought this was and how I thought things worked is not right. That's kind of what you're leading to? Yeah. So like I think we a lot of times when we speak about truth, we're thinking about in a positive sense. Like I am going to discover something or I'm going to discover the thing and it's going to be this object, which now I am in possession of, which is going to help me orient my life. But what if, you know, what if like an deeper and deeper encounters with truth is simply a stripping away of falsehood? Mm. And what if there is no object? You know, what if it's, <laughs> what if it just leads you to, to deeper silence or deeper humility or deeper unknowing even like, and that it's just this progressive process of stripping falsehood away. Like, could that be, you know, a quote unquote negative aspect of truth? Some like, and that eventually we realize that this thing we're looking for, we can't speak of. Cause as soon as we try to define it, we are in a way accumulating falsehoods around it. We're adding our own baggage. So how does that, how does that fit in a world where we're affirming that there are absolute truths and then saying that we can't articulate those absolutes, hmm, but we can question. tell you what they're not? Good question, Mike. That is a good question. I don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Neither that's, do I. <laughs> I, I that's, that's good. No, no, I mean it. I mean, it, like, like that's, it's good. It's good to have, to, to have those moments where you're like, I don't know. If you have an answer, please write to us at yeah. info at pokethexium.com, which will be an email address by the time this is published, if I remember. <laughs> um, the stripping away, I don't know. I think, I think truth could be, truth's a double-edged sword. I've been thinking about that recently, how truth can be, you know, it, it, it can cut both ways. Do you know what I mean? And I wonder if that's the thing that you are kind of alluding to, Thomas, that like in the stripping away of these things, right? Like you could be left with nothing. Like if you strip away all falsehoods and you just begin to, to find nothing but falsehood. And so you, so, so that's like one edge of the sword, right? I think the other edge of the sword of, of, of truth is that there is that there is something that there is something that is true. Um, and I think that when you only experience one edge of that sword, like you only experience the, the destructive nature of it, right? Um, and and you, you don't experience the, the constructive nature of it. You and I'm just using that word because it, it's, the, it's the opposite of it. Um, and, it's, and it's ironic because I think that because there's so much questioning of what is true, right? And even condemnation, of things that society, humanity as a whole, has held that you know to be true uh, for many generations, 
Um, there's so much questioning, and yet at the same time, there is a there's this consistent like pursuit for it. Um, and so you see it with the with the refrain. It's almost like, it's almost like a liturgy. Science is real. Hmm. Science is real. It's like, what does that even mean, though? Like, what is that? You know what I mean? Like, and it's just, it's like this, there's this, this consistent pursuit for facts, right? For observational facts. And they don't, but they don't give you, they don't necessarily give you truth. They give you a piece of the truth, but they don't necessarily give you the truth, right? And, and so I, I think that one of the things that we see with the handling of truth, and I think, you know, if I can sort of, take this from that angle of like, okay, truth, what is it? Let's sort of like maybe set that to the side for a second. We all handle the truth, right? On some level. We all handle it, I think, on, on, uh, in our lives. Um, the handling of the truth has become extremely personal. It's become extremely, this is my truth. Uh, this is my... And that gets wrapped up in then identity, which interestingly, points out, I think, the, the axiomatic nature of truth. You know, that the idea that this thing uh, could be true and true for, for me and for me alone um, points out the very fundamental nature of truth. Well, I'll touch on those things. So, you know, the uh, double-edged sword pursuing... Yeah, sorry, I gave a lot. The no, no. <laughs> and then the identifying with it. So I'd say the double-edged sword, yes, absolutely. I mean, that's so theologically, right? There's the apophatic, what cannot be said, and the cataphatic, what can be said. And you need both of those approaches to uh, come to an understanding of God, right? If you look at, you know, patristic theology. Uh, and then, so the pursuit of it, and you brought up science. I think that is one of the clearest indicators that we do as you know as humanity believe there is a truth because we ruthlessly pursue the truth in the sciences mm. we pursue it in different ways in the arts mm -hmm. i mean we send our kids to school <laughs> we you know we we have we can't help um philosophizing it and drives us it drives us that there's something out there yeah there's something and we have inherently within us the belief that not only is that something there, but we can find it. And we look for it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know. It's sort of axiomatic just to assume that you can find it. Right. That's like, that's mm -hmm. another axiom. Like we can find the truth. We will find it. The truth is out there. The truth, <laughs> the truth is out there. That's right. Wait, uh, copyright. Yeah, no, don't. It's copyright infringement. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like, so the identifying, and I think that's the danger of identifying with what we believe to be the truth is that we can be very wrong and the things that we claim to be true and then identify with um, can have horrible repercussions. So if I believe the statement's true that life is meaningless and there's no inherent value to human life, and that this is all a joke that ends in nothing. Well, I mean, I think we can see the result in the headlines of the evening news of that belief mm. every single day. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to go very far. 
and you don't have to go very far because you, in some ways you just have to look at yourself in that. I mean, if you were, if you were honest yeah, and you, and if you were honest to that statement and you were, and if you were honest to that statement of life has no value, right. And you begin to look at your own life, you would say, well, why do I do anything that I do? And I, and I would hope that people would quickly come to a, come to a, a confession of saying like, no, life does have value. If for no other reason, because, because I want, I want that in my life. You know, I think this is, you know, the point we are at though in our society, it's like, we've kind of got this idea that life has no value other than the value you yourself subscribe to it. So like life has value and that's the whole existentialist dilemma, right? Mm. That, you know, goes back, you know, this might be a whole episode. Yeah, on right. Does li- life has value? That's right. a, that's an axiom in and of itself. That is an axiom. It is. You know? It's uh, it is what drives the question of minimum wage. But so the existentialists well, believe that you know life life didn't have any inherent meaning, but you could go and create your own meaning, right? And well, that was the pursuit, right? That was, like, that, was the, like, that was the you know f- you know you go and go you, live on Walden Pond. Yeah, you know, go live on Walden Pond, or you know. You know, be like Sartre, and I probably mangled his name. Sorry, anyone who cares. Is he dead? He's dead. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, you know, just sleep with a bunch of women. You know, that's, that was what Camus did as well. Oh, Camus was an assert, um, absurdist. Um, but it's like, you know, just find that thing, right? You know, like Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss. Follow your bliss. It's like, well, what if my bliss is terrible? Yeah. Like, what if, <laughs> what if my bliss is, like, detrimental to those around me? Can I still follow it? If like, you're a serial killer, right? You know, yeah. and more power to you. Wait, wait, hold on. Am I your type that you like to? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's like part of the dangers of like you know, life has value. The value that I give to it. Well, th- that's not much of a value. Well, you're. I mean, okay, sort of to play to that, right? Like you're suggesting that there's a, or that there should be some sort of governing something about about that right like okay if there's a truth right like what governs it what what establishes the boundaries of it right to say with your extreme example mike like oh you're a serial killer that's your truth like go for it man yeah live your dream buddy yeah i had somebody say to me one time and it was about it was about buying something and i had entered into some negotiations and I wasn't sure I was going to buy the thing. And then, and then somebody said like, well, if it brings you joy, just do it. And I was like, yeah, but what if it's wrong? <laughs> what if my joy is not the thing that is at stake here? Like what if, and, and, and not just wrong on like a material level, like, like wrong, like, Oh, if I buy that thing and it breaks down and then it's just a waste of my money and I've wasted a significant amount of money that maybe could have gone to something else. Like, I don't just mean like, like wrong on like a material level. I mean like, is that a is that a valid way to like make a determination in my life? Right. It, but that's the but that's the thing about what you were just saying, Thomas. Like that's you know, follow your bliss. Was that the was that the quote? You yeah, said? that's the Joseph Campbell quote. Which I don't think is too different than just saying than than somebody saying like if it brings you joy, just do it. It's like well, that can be true, I suppose. What, what if now that, you know, 
I'm richer than you and more powerful than you. And so now my joy can, you know, <laughs> yeah. slant an economy downward. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, very true. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a question of if there's something that is true and, and if it is, if it, if it can be axiomatic, what, what governs it? And I and I, I can't help but think that that is something that that we are seeing in our in our Western mindset, in our Western uh, late stages of whatever it is that we're in here. Um, Extreme th- cancer. <laughs> there's a question about what what governs these things. Who gets to say? Oh yeah. I mean, it- I don't want to. I don't want to get too off on like on America's founding documents or something, right? But like there's, like when you look at the at the founding documents, there's a statement of like, you know, divinely given, God given, like they're, they're I mean, those are axioms, right? But then we went and wrote a bunch of amendments. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but still, you know, it, there's sort of a recognition of like something that is foundational um, and then we're going to build something, the system of, I don't want to say laws, but um, um, the system of, ways that we're going to to treat that um, in order to order our lives, right? Um, and so it's a taking of taking of something that is sort of uh, adhered to to be true and saying, how is that going to be lived out? And I think that that's the thing that like we keep bumping into in so many in so many different ways. Mm. Um, we keep bumping into this into very much the idea of the you know follow follow your bliss, follow your joy. if it brings you joy, do it, which, admittedly can be very good. Like I find great joy in having a family in being married in doing something that is fulfilling and has purpose and has meaning. And generally, at least, you know, just personally for me, it generally, that means, you know, helping somebody. So you assume that by, uh, continuing the human race and destroying this planet, you're doing something good. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah, no, I think what's it, your carbon footprint. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Um, <laughs> But no, it, and sometimes I think that those things that are good are sort of counterintuitive. And, 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 and that's like a very good example because, because if you follow some of these things out to their ad absurdum uh, end point, you reach nothingness. It gets crazy. It gets absolutely yeah. crazy. It gets, it gets crazy to the point of like, okay, I guess we should all just off ourselves well that that is i mean that that comes back to truth being defined beyond just my instable unstable instability whatever uh truth has to be outside of just my immediate self otherwise it does become just crazy and unstable and there's no way to regulate it yeah there's no way to make sense of it right right so I, I like I like uh, what you were saying, Thomas, about peeling back the layers, and uh, in terms of, and I think it actually could go both ways. Where it, on one hand, on one side of the sword, you're peeling back the layers of what this is not, what is not true, what I'm, what is, how does the world not operate, how does the universe not work, uh, and then the flip side, where you're adding layers, conceivably to. Okay, these things are true, 
And that is a journey you do have to take on your own. Like you can't necessarily, somebody can tell you, but you're not going to own it until you've experienced the journey. But it's not a journey where you're building the structure. It's, it's almost like an archaeological dig where you're uncovering what is there and making assumptions based on what you've uncovered so far, only to sometimes find out those assumptions are wrong. So like if we go back to the whole divorce thing, right? Like I had certain assumptions about the way God was going to make my family work. I have on the one hand a, a positive like forward cutting uh, like um, absolute truth where I, I believe, yes, there is a God. Um, I'm learning this is not how he operates. He's not going to make everything hunky-dory. Uh, love is not necessarily always this clean, beautiful thing, but it can be messy and it can be traumatizing and love can survive and endure those things. Uh, those are all things that I would not have assumed prior to that experience. So I'm, I'm unearthing more and more and coming closer to the truth, not building my own truth, but coming closer to what is true. Is that a fair way to put that? Yeah. So, <laughs> so could we say that like, that there's always a revelatory aspect to truth? Yes. You just said like, you're not building yes. anything, you're uncovering. Yeah. Mm. You're just stripping back enough to see what's already there. I think that's, I, that's I like, fair. I liked your, your taking of the, of the onion analogy of saying like, you know, stripping away the falsehood, but like at the same time, you're also like building the, the onion, right? And I appreciate that you also brought the sword in. So now we have like an onion sword analogy. So, so next time <laughs> somebody's got to bring a sword, somebody's got to bring an onion. That'll actually be that'll be the cover on our uh, on our website. Somebody's slicing an onion with a sword. That's, I like it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be a double edged one though. It's got to be double edged. So yeah, there's plenty of plenty of double edged swords out there. Um, yeah, no, it absolutely is revelatory, right? Well, and so to your point, Mike, about like the the peeling away of like the falsehood and like the building up of of of, of layers of truth, right? Revelatory. Sometimes are false that you are going to have to peel back again later, but... Isn't that... So, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that kind of the process of growing up? <laughs> One I would mean, hope. Well, we all have... So, so listener, uh, constant listener, we have... We all have children. Stephen and, King reference. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all have children, and so we are all actively engaged in the process of one, growing up ourselves, and two, watching those around us grow up as well. And watching them, like, discover and learn, like, ah, this thing that I thought suddenly is... And that is, is suddenly is not the way I thought it was. And that is usually the thing that causes a lot of fights and quarrels in my house. <laughs> when my, especially regarding, like, transitions, you know, when, my, when my, my kids get out of school and it's like, hey, today we're going to go here. And they're like, I thought... I was going to get to sit and watch television. And I go, no, we're actually going to do this other thing. And then I get a temper tantrum on my hands. Why? Because their truth suddenly got revealed. <laughs> it's, a, it's a super like, you know, childish haha, example. But I, like when you think about like the process of growing up and it's, and it's more, it's, it's on deeper levels than that, right? Like I think, like why is it that, um, you know, child abuse, whether it be physical, emotional, mental or sexual, right? Like that is, it's a terrible, terrible thing. It teaches something to a child, which is a terrible truth, which is that people can be awful. Right. And, and, and what do we, what do we sort of like in some ways, one of the things that we can universally recognize about, about children, like what do they need? 
they need somebody who cares about them. They need somebody who loves them, right? Like that needs to be a truth in their life. This person loves me. No matter what I do, this person loves me. And that can be dangerous in and of itself. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be like a... So I could do whatever I want. Right. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that that love leads to, leads to some sort of licentiousness. But what I'm saying is, is that like when that, when that gets broken, like when, when that becomes a question, like I think that's when things begin to go off the rails, especially yeah. for children. Like, like when, they, when they begin to question like your love for them, I, I, like how do you come back from that? That's a hard one. And I mean, I've worked with um, teenagers are, are particularly where I've seen it, where uh, that's not felt and the decisions that they make reflect it. Um, I mean, one of the, the things that, that frustrates me a lot is, uh, and I, I know a lot of people are on the like, hey, when you're 18, you're on your own bus. But I think that that communicates a whole thing to your children that like, you're basically a burden to me and I can't wait for you to get out of here. And, you know, you're interrupting my 401k plan. (laughs) So to kind of like bring this back to, to like truth, I think what you're stumbling upon here, what you're talking about what happens with kids is on a greater scale, kind of what we go through and are going through, uh, as a society. Yeah, we're always that, growing. Like, well, no, no, but like the the the, the trauma uh, of having something sinister revealed, right? And what we see, I think, over and over in our society is that like you see the underbelly, like the the Pollyannish childhood view of you know what a marriage is, uh, who God is. Isn't America so great? Right. Uh, like what a family is, you know, these people, then eventually you see, oh, that's who you are. Right. That's who you really are. That's what this thing really is. Or that's what, you know, this town is. And there's, and like that can be, you know, that's like, that's a life shattering world view breaking moment. That's the destructive part of truth that I was talking about. Right. Earlier. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, like the, the revealing of truth that you were talking about, like that's, it can be. It can be. Yeah, it can be terrible. Yeah, yeah. You know, and but then there's nothing else that comes in to fill it. Like if nothing else comes into that space, the void. Right. Like okay, so like, you know, I might have had a really crappy upbringing, but now here's this person who loves me, right? And for some reason, like wants to be around me or like maybe here are some friends who despite all my flaws they still want to like hang out like there are like and we don't look at those we don't look at those uh seemingly small things for the blessing they are like and we we're losing contact with other human beings so there's just the the awfulness of like the truth of where we find ourselves the truth of human nature that's constantly being revealed to us. The shattering of our preconceived notions of, you know, who we are and where we're living and, you know, the institutions around us that are just riddled with corruption. Like, there's nothing else that's stepping into that void to save us from nihilism, right? Like there's, you know, we're, we're stuck in the negative of, of truth. I think, um, 
story is very powerful. Um, I got a friend who, like, so I like to read, you know, I've always read fiction. Um, and I got a friend who says, why are you reading fiction? Like, it's useless. It's pointless. It's just a story. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it, it, it tells you something, right? And I think the stories that move us are, are, are generally the ones where the hero figure strives and struggles against some, against something and overcomes, right? Um, we, we tend to reject, we tend to reject, um, the, 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 the happily ever after, if it doesn't come with, if it doesn't come with some sort of struggle, right? Um, and the ones that, the, the stories that oftentimes are the ones that move us the most are the ones that don't necessarily have the happy ending. Right. There's a lot of sacrifice and, and pain and angst. Tragedy always speaks more to us than comedy. What's yeah. that? Tragedy always speaks to us more than comedy. I'll have to think about that. I don't know. I'm sure people smarter than me, not yourself. And I mean, like but comedy, as in like comedia, and like the Greek sense of like happy ending, ah. not just like ha ha funny. Okay, okay, yeah, because yeah, I think comedy can speak pretty well. Right. Yeah, comedy can be a very good. Norm Macdonald, dude, don't. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. No, no, too soon. Too soon. No tangents. I'm just, yeah, too soon. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Can't do that to me, man. Um, story, story, um, story, and truth. Um, real, real quick. Uh, Story, if you're if you want to look at it from a scientific standpoint, I don't. But okay. Well, I mean, so constant reader, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, constant listener. Sorry. <laughs> if if uh, just to throw this out there, um, neuroplasticity suggests that stories help you to like build your personality because you're you're able to put yourself in the shoes of those characters in situations you've never actually experienced mm -hmm. and build those connections in certain ways. So like. When you read stories of um, people who are honorable and, uh, you know, it's valor and, and all of that kind of thing, you're putting yourself in those positions. When you read just dark, nasty, messed up stuff, again, you're putting yourself in those situations mm -hmm. mentally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you, you know, it does have an impact. On yeah, we were talking about a TV at. show before we started recording and, and I had said that like, you know, we had to stop watching it. My wife wanted to stop watching it because she said it was too much. Oh yeah, like, and I'm sure that part of that, and I know because I know her, I know that part of that is because she sort of begins to see herself in those situations. Yeah, I, um, I, I watch less TV than than Megan does, mm -hmm. and when, especially when uh, it was she was pregnant with Ezra the first time. Um, yeah, wow, because she was pregnant with him like six times. <laughs> uh, she was pregnant with our first. Uh, and so she was watching more TV cause she, uh, she had started to change jobs and then something happened. So she was just home and it was like, well, you're gonna have the baby soon, you know, within a few months, don't worry about getting a job. Um, so she was watching these different shows and some of them, the people were just like awful mm -hmm. and I could see yeah. the difference in her attitudes and her behaviors when she was watching those shows from when she stopped watching those shows. Yep. Uh, and it was just, it was very interesting. Um, so, and it, not to like. Totally turn it into a no, discussion no. about neuroplasticity, but no. But I think I see. What I don't want to do is I don't want to say that like truth can't be found in yourself, right? Um, I think there's a danger in saying that like I am the author of truth, mm. right? Like I am the I am the one who determines like what is true for me. I think that truth does have, and I think we've affirmed this. Truth has a a nature of revelation or discovery, right? 
Was yeah. that is that fair to say? Yeah, I like. And that. I think this. It's, I think that's what I'm saying with the story. I think that, that like story is the other side of truth, which is where it's like I discovered this thing to be true, right? Like I mm-hmm. I I went and I struggled with this thing. I struggled with this situation. I struggled with this person. I struggled with this reality, and and I discovered something. And 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 I guess we in our backgrounds, like we affirm that that there can be things that are revealed, right? Um, and that that when those things are revealed, Mike, with your example with the with the divorce that you experienced in your family at a young age, like like that was a thing that was re- that was revealed to you. There wasn't something there that you. That, that that you struggled to to get to that point it got revealed to you the struggle right. came after it got revealed right and then you had to discover in or you know begin to realize something through the story of what happened after that and you sort of had to like pick up the pieces i think was the way that you had phrased it right and so truth like it has this it does have this intensely personal nature to it but i guess what i what i you know, so I want to affirm that, but I also want to like caution us that like when it just becomes personal, I think that that also sort of leads to, leads to a point of ad nauseum, uh, ridiculousness. I think it, it leads to a, it leads to a place without, without any boundaries. And I think that, that, that I think boundaries are good in this case. I think too, like the personal relationship that we end up having with the truth, I think, and this is probably what makes us so uncomfortable, is that it's primarily one of submission and surrender. Like when you had, you know. To truth? To to the truth, yeah. Even if it's just the truth of a situation, like with what Mm. you shared with a divorce, you had to surrender to the fact that this is what this is now. Right. Either that or become delusional. Right. Live in some fantasy world. My mom and dad are happily married. Uh, why do they live in separate houses? <laughs> right. So, and people do that. People construct narratives to keep the, tr- the, the hard truth mm. of life away from them. In, in years past, we put them in special places. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so like there, there's, a, there's an act of surrender that has to come with encountering the truth. And I think maybe that's why... It makes us so uncomfortable because, like, who wants to submit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's a that's a conversation I've been having with my oldest a lot lately. Is he something will happen? You know, he's building with his Legos and he's mm-hmm. got this grand idea and it falls apart, mm-hmm. and he's like ticked and he's just raging mad. And the the conversation we've been having is, buddy, you got to stop. And first, because his his constant refrain is, "This thing hates me, and I don't understand why." Mm-hmm. And I get it. Like I've felt that type of frustration in life, but uh, we're trying to teach him to say, start with that happened. Just embrace that that happened. And now you can move forward. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's that perfect picture of growing up and dealing with what you're talking about here, where it's, you, you can't just reject it and be like, no, this shouldn't be happening. Well, it is happening. So move forward from there. Could it be, could it be so like one of the things that we've kicked around here is this is is this idea that like like some some handling of the truth or mishandling of the truth in our in our western society is 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 a, is is one of the things that has sort of brought us to brought us to uh, a place of division a place of breakdown a, pre, a place of decay and maybe that's the best way to put it um could it be that like part of that is because we've 
we've ma- we've made too much of like small truths and we haven't made enough of larger truths right I think, does that make sense i think some some of it falls there well and i guess it depends on if you consider these things to be truths or not but um i would say a big part of it is our unwillingness to continue peeling back we get to a point where our onion is where we like it yeah and and if your onion is different then you're evil. I, I don't want to hear about your onion. There's that, there's that point of ridiculousness. Right. You're, tr- you're trying to destroy my world. Really, you know, if, if you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican, largely our goals are aligned. We want to see our country succeed. We want to see people taken care of. Uh, but we have different onions about how that should be done. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think that there are, there are some big truths that fit that, that need to be there, that should be focused on. But there also needs to be a humility, a willingness to say like, hey, maybe I need to peel some stuff off my onion and, uh, and listen at least. Instead of telling you what your onion looks like, l- l- you tell me what it looks like. This is getting really weird. No, 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 no. <laughs> because I think that that's one of, like when, like when we were sort of initially talking about this podcast, one of the things that I, that I had, had said that I think is really important is, is that we've lost the ability to, to listen to one another. We've lost the ability to, uh, to dialogue about, about things that we disagree with. And I think that, that the listening part is, is the thing that is important there because it, it's easy enough to just state what you believe, Right. Yeah. I mean, and we do that all the time, but it's a, it's a Welcome whole... Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, constant listener. Um, but, it, but it's a whole nother thing to like, to, to shut up. Right. And, and, and not just because listening is a skill, right? And you know this because you have kids. Um, it, you know that, that listening isn't just hearing the words, but it's, it, it, it's processing them. It's right. analyzing them. It's, it's understanding the them. story. It's understanding. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lack of understanding. I think that I, I don't. So so that there's a case, perhaps where there's a truth that we've lost. So, we've, go ahead. Well, I wanted to I wanted to touch on that kind of that truth we lost in relation to what you're saying about the small truths. Yeah. Overcoming, you know, taking the place of the big truths. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe the big truth, right? Yeah. Two words that I've heard kicked around um, in this conversation uh, about, you know, big truth are uh, discovery and you know, revelation. Mm-hmm. So those pose problems, right? Because good, good. Right? Because we need some drama. <laughs> well, well, I think it poses problems to us as a society and how we are um, at our kind of collective, at least American conscience. Um, If truth can be discovered, that means it's inherent. It's already there. Yep. Right? So you can't just say this thing doesn't exist. Yeah. If truth is revealed, who is the revealer? Hmm. Hmm. I would say that the modern person would say that they are the revealer of truth. I would not disagree. Well. Less drama than I thought. You would not disagree with the modern person, or you would not disagree that that's what the modern person says. Yes, I would not disagree with that. That's what they would. So like you deny. Say. Yeah. So you deny that that. that I that deny is, that they. I deny that we can be the revealer of truth the way that I deny meaning can be created. I believe meaning can be found. Hmm. But 
I don't believe you can go out and create meaning. I believe you're just discovering what's already there, inherent to certain situations. Like, I didn't create the meaning in my family. I found the meaning inherent with the idea of family by having one. Well, but the amazing part of that is that you get to be active in that meaning. Right. You participate for sure. Yeah. Like, it's a participatory process, but I am not the initiator. And I think that's the difference. I want to make a crash joke, but I'm not going to. <laughs> and that is, is, is part of this whole process, I think. Not making the, <laughs> the crash joke and saying that, like, maybe there's, maybe there's something about ourselves that, like, is confronted here. Um, it, it, help me understand what you mean with the meaning, particularly with the family, in saying that you're not the, you're not the initiator. So, like, if you look at the idea of family, mm-hmm. it's this idea that goes back millennia. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I didn't create that, right? I might, you know, my wife and I may have conceived, you know, life together. And right. we may have started a family. Right. But what, we, what happened was that we discovered in this thing that humanity has been doing yeah. for, you know, since we have existed, there is inherent meaning. There is an inher- inherent meaning in a family. There's something far more. Right. And it's not just what I want it to mean. Yeah. It's a thing. It w- and that's why, you know, anyone who has kids like can tell you that they have been called to a level of responsibility that they were not ready for. Because you can't, because you, yes. can't, you, can't you can't understand it until you're faced with it. I, I completely agree. When, when we were thinking about having kids and we sort of waited a little bit. Uh, in our lives, and uh, and there was a there was a point at which I realized, like, I don't think I'm ever going to be ready to kid ready to. I don't think I'm ever going to be ready to have kids. And at that point, there was like that little like Yoda like Jedi part of me that just went, ah, ready you are now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always with you with what could not be done. <laughs> um, okay, no, that helps me to understand. I, I I understand what you're saying now. That like, um, and so in a sense, like you're sort of entering into dare I say, an institution. <laughs> right. And so like with other aspects of like truth and meaning, like I am not, like I am not the initiator. I am not the one who, you know, I am the initiate. I am being guided by forces greater than myself into a participation with these things. Like it's, it's not, I did not magic them up. They're not phantoms of my imagination. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. things inherent to life, to existence upon earth and to human nature. Mm-hmm. And I might discover them through hard fought battles. They might be revealed to me by situations or, you know, divine intervention, uh, which I believe in. Um, and then I get to participate in them. But what I didn't do was create them. I think that creates a, a certain amount of mystery in life that is is probably healthy. Um, but if if you're unable to create that value, I guess unable might be the if if humans don't create the value, if they find it, if they find the meaning, um, that allows for a lot more mystery, really, than maybe we're comfortable with in our in our Western minds. Um, because they're, if you accept that as true, right? <laughs> but if you accept that as true, then then that means that you may be surprised by what you find, rather than always finding what you expect. Um, 
And if you're going to embrace the that happened attitude, then <laughs> you're going to have to be prepared to be surprised. I want to give a, uh, I go, this is a, a warning to you guys. I, I've got about, about 10, maybe 15 more minutes here. So um, maybe a little more than that, but we should begin to yes. work ourselves to work ourselves to some, some conclusion. doesn't mean that we have to like stop. We can also this do a part two. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because there are questions that we haven't, we haven't talked about. So, I mean, if you got a rush, well, not necessarily if you're on time frame. Like, could we like put a pause on this now, and then come or like yeah. come to a, like a you know? I, I think we should wrap this up wrap as this an up episode. And then, like, then we're yeah. gonna do a part two. Yeah. So, so like one of the things, and this uh, this can be part of our part of our podcast here, but for our for our for you, our listener out there, like like as we conceived of the the process of this examination of this process of asking that question of what would you do if, if I poked you in the axiom? We wanted to introduce an axiom, uh, poke at that axiom, uh, and then try to rebuild that axiom. And that is a strange process, right? As I think we've proven. Um, it well, is a, we wander around it. It you is know, definitely, <laughs> definitely meandering for sure. Um, I think you've got to in this yeah. kind of thing. Well, that's dialogue, right? That like, the, dialogue. I mean, dialogue is this like, hey, this might be crazy and maybe it goes nowhere, but. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I, like, where are we in that process? I don't think we've, I think we've only just begun to, to, to start to build an axiom or rebuild the axiom. I would like us to definitely come back and like have a part two with this. I don't disagree in what in in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. One of the things that I was looking at, I was looking at something from the Gospels before. It was where Jesus is before Pilate, and I was thinking, "Whoa, look at this! Like, there's this, there's this clear sort of truth is the question here, right? So, like, there, Jesus has been arrested. He gets uh, brought to Pilate by the authorities." And they're like, we have no, we need you to put him to death. And so, and he's like, well, well, why? What has he done? Right. So, so Pilate, like right from the beginning is just saying like, okay, like tell me something that is true about this guy. Like, what did he do? Yeah. Right. So there's an action. There's the truth of an action that has it broke. Has he broken some law? And they're like, well, he, he has to be a criminal because we brought him to you. <laughs> it's sort of their, like their assertion. Right. So then they become like, they become the the deciders of truth. They become the, the ones who, who have, have brought truth to Pilate and he just sort of has to assent to it. And he's like, well, well hang on a second. So he you know, begins to ask Jesus. He's like, well, who are you? You know, that, that is sort of the, the beginning place of, of his inquiry into then his inquiry into what he asks as a, as his end question, what is, who are you? Like, what is true about you? Who are you? Right. And he says, is it really true that you're this, this king of the Jews? And Jesus sort of like nicely turns that question around on him and is just like, well, that's... You say I am. Yeah. You say I am. You know, he's like, but let me tell you. And he said, and he, and he, and he, and he says that, that he's the, he's come to, to bring the truth, right? You, you, do you remember the quote? I could look it up. <laughs> All right, I'll look it up. But so he, Jesus talks about... I've come that the truth may be revealed or... Yeah, 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 yeah. John, right? Is it John? Yeah, it's John. Yeah. And then Pilate's like, well, what is truth? Here it is, yeah. Yeah. You're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. So he he goes to like the purpose, right? For this, I came into the world 
to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's a heck of a statement. And then that's when Pilate says, well, what is truth? What's his answer? Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is, uh, Jesus' answer to what is truth? Yeah. What's the answer Pilate gets? He doesn't. Exactly. He gets silence. Yeah. Because, and, and, this is, and, and, and this is, I think, like, we're sort of leading ourselves to, to episode two. But I think that, I think that part of the reason why he gets silence. Attack of the truth. Episode two. (laughs) (laughs) I think that part of the reason why he gets silence is because truth is in front of him. Because he didn't ask who is truth. He asked what is truth. Right. And I think, and, and this is why I think that like, there's something that is sort of right about the way that we, talk about truth in our world today when we talk about like my truth and stuff that like we have this sort of sense that like truth has this personal nature to it it has this nature of personhood to it right and you just talked about it it's like it's when this thing that is out there that is this that is true right that that, that, that there's this thing called a family right uh, that when you enter into that when you participate in that 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 suddenly that truth becomes personified in you that's an amazing amazing thing it almost incarnates right thomas is always going to be with the big words that's why we have him here that's orthodoxy for you right right, (laughs) hey kids you want some orthodoxy (laughs) maybe down the road um and i think that that's like like honestly that is if there's truth not just what is it, but like, and, and we've talked about, you know, where is it found, but who is, who is found in it? Because it, because if there is a revealed nature to truth, then I would assert that there is a revealer of truth. That seems fair. <laughs> I think <laughs> I would like, like, I think that we should like, Edit back to wherever, like, the last, like, part of this conversation was before you talked about the time. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you, like when once In, I'm... Insert the, theme music there. Well, no, like, and then just say, you know, we're going to, like, you could say something, we're going to wrap up this conversation for today, but we'll be back with part two. And then everything we just, like, talked about here, I think we should save for next week. Spend yeah. an hour on like, instead of ta- four yeah, minutes. No, I agree. I agree. talk about, like... I agree. But I think we should edit it out of this, and that way you can be, like, you know, and that way we can come back... The point of like revelation, like okay, if truth is revealed, who is the revealer? Yeah, and then that's that that's 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 the transition point. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> constant listener. <laughs> there you go. Thanks. Uh, so, due to our time, we're gonna be we're gonna wrap up this episode, and we're gonna pick this up next time, um, which is which is totally fun because uh, who knows where we're gonna go? Who knows how many episodes we're gonna record? Um, and 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 I assume. I have to assume that some of the things that we've talked about here will become episodes of their own, but we're going to pick up this idea of uh, what is truth with our, with our next time together um, because we've sort of come to a place and, and here's your teaser for next time. We sort of come to a place that like, okay, if truth can be 
discovered and we can go through that process of discovery, right? And so there's a personal nature to it. And if truth can be revealed because we, there can be things that are shown to us, we have to sort of ask the question then, well, well, who is the revealer of these truths? Who is the revealer of truth? And so, so we hope that you'll join us next time for what would you do if we poked you in the axiom. We hope that you've had a good time today and, uh, and we appreciate, we appreciate you listener. Thank you. What Would You Do If We Poked You in the Axiom is hosted by Malcolm Fowler, Thomas Barton, and Mike Dion. Show notes are by Malcolm Fowler. Music by Mike Dion. This episode was recorded at the podcasting studio in the Black River Innovation Campus located in Springfield, Vermont, and is sponsored by Indelible Inc., demystifying the web and digital marketing for your business. 